Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 52 of Revelation chapter 14, and we're continuing to look at verse 20. And the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress even unto the horse bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. Now, this is the imagery that God is giving us of the day of judgment at the time of harvest, the final spiritual harvest of this world. And so we understand the winepress being shrouded and, and that picture of the wrath of God, the Lord Jesus himself uh, in the book of Isaiah is viewed as being trodden in the winepress when he experienced the wrath of God. And God uses the same language in Lamentations chapter 1 verse 15 to speak of treading underfoot the daughter of Zion or Judah. And, and that also typified the spiritual judgment against the churches and congregations. So we're very familiar with that kind of language in relationship to God's judgments. But why is the Lord speaking of blood coming out of the winepress and, and going, uh, even unto the horse bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs? What is the point of telling us that? Why didn't God just say, the blood came out of the wine press and overflowed? And, and why give us the figure of 1600 furlongs? And why furlongs? Why not some other word that would give us an idea of the distance that it, it, uh, overflowed and traveled? Well, we're going to try and understand some of these things. I don't know if we'll understand them fully. But we do know concerning blood, the Bible gives a definitive statement, or God defines what blood represents in a couple of places. One is in Leviticus 17, and I'll read from verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. Now, just one comment. The Hebrew word that's translated as life is Strong's number 5315, nepes. And it's the same word that's translated as souls in Leviticus 1711. It's the identical Hebrew word. It's the word that is used at the very beginning in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7 where it says, And Jehovah God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. The the Hebrew word translated as soul is the same word that's here in Leviticus 17.11 for the life of the flesh or the 
soul of the flesh, they're interchangeable, is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls or for your lives. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Again, the same word. And it goes on to say in verse 12, Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, No soul of you shall eat blood, neither shall any stranger that sojourneth among you eat blood. And whatsoever man there be of the children of Israel, or the strangers that sojourn among you, which hunteth and catcheth any beast or fowl that may be eaten, he shall even pour out the blood thereof, and cover it with dust. For it is the life, and that's that same word, soul, it is the life of all flesh, the blood of it is for the life thereof. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall eat the blood of no manner of flesh, for the life of all flesh is the blood thereof. Whosoever eateth it shall be cut off. God, in a very strong way, connected together blood with the life or the soul of man. And and, and that's why uh, when the Lord Jesus, of course, offered up himself in the atonement, he gave his life, he shed his blood, his soul for the sins of his elect people. And and this is uh, why the atoning work of the Lord Jesus was satisfactory and satisfied the law's demands uh, for justice. Well, one other place in Deuteronomy chapter 12, in verses 23 and 24, it says, Only be sure that thou eat not the blood, for the blood is the life. And thou mayest not eat the life with the flesh. Thou shalt not eat it. Thou shalt pour it upon the earth as water. And and uh, by the way, this is one of the reasons why even in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, when the early church held a council um, trying to determine what laws they should give to the churches rather than the law of Moses... One of the very few laws that the church decided upon was there was to be an abstaining from blood. It says in Acts 15, in verse 19, Wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols, and from fornication, and from things strangled, and from blood. And that's um, drawing from those laws that we just read, one in Leviticus, one in Deuteronomy, that the life, the soul is in the blood. You're not to eat the blood. It is uh, something that man is forbidden. And, and that's because there's such an important spiritual element or, or distinction in the blood that that God wants to make sure that that picture is not distorted in any way. Well, how does that help us to understand the life or the soul is in the blood? Let's let's go back to Revelation 14 and verse 20. And blood came out of the winepress. Now, 
who is in the wine press. It is the wicked people of the world. Remember what was said in Joel 3, which is the Old Testament commentary, or actually Revelation is the commentary of, of Joel 3, where it says in verse 13, Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down, for the press is full. The fats overflow, just as the blood is coming out of the wine press. For their wickedness is great. And who commits wickedness but the wicked? It is the wicked, the unsaved people of the world, the inhabitants of the earth in the day of judgment that are cast into the winepress. Billions of people are under the wrath of God and, and God is treading them in the winepress of the fierceness of his anger. And it is their blood, the blood of man, their, their blood, their life, their soul that is in view when it comes out of the wine press in an overflowing manner and begins to go forth unto the horse bridles by the space of these 1600 furlongs. Now, what is God trying to say, or what is he saying, and what are we trying to understand? And I think the answer is that the blood is pointing to the life of who? The wicked. And it is the wicked at a certain point in time as the Lord Jesus, remember the statement in Revelation 19.15. It says at the end of that verse, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. So Christ is as though he's in the winepress and he's stomping. His feet are crushing the life, the blood out of all of the unsaved inhabitants of the earth their blood comes out. But where are they? They're still in the wine press. But their blood, their life begins to flow. And the the image, I believe, is indicating or pointing to an extension of existence, the extension of their life, all the while that they're under the wrath of God. Or in other words... The 1,600 furlongs is a spiritual number pointing to 1,600 days. There's a very strong likelihood of that. And the 1,600 days is the duration of Judgment Day, the complete time that the people of the world are under the wrath of God. And then, after reaching 1,600 furlongs, the blood ceases to flow. It doesn't continue on to 1601 or or any further than 1600 furlongs. And now we'll discuss furlongs uh, a little later and and what what could be meant by that. But I think this is the idea behind the blood coming out of the wine press. And why God is uh, saying 
that it it uh, flowed forth, even though he didn't use that word, but that's the idea, even unto the horse bridles. Now, the horse bridles itself is is an unusual picture. Why um, unto the horse bridles? Of all the things God could have said, that the blood came out of the wine press and uh, even unto... Jerusalem, or even unto um, the the uh, the saints of God, or even unto uh, the angels, or or whatever he could have said, uh, all kinds of other things. Why did he pick horse bridles, and why is the horse singular, but bridles are plural, and? And, and of course, uh, there's the question of why the space um, that the blood comes out of the wine press and and goes until the horse bridles, and there's this number of 1,600 furlongs that is given that can only be understood as the distance between the wine press and reaching the horse bridles. Well, uh, in in order to attempt to understand this just a little bit better. I'm not saying we're we're going to understand everything completely, but we have to do what we always do. We have to search the Bible and and find um, similar words, similar ideas and passages and 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 allow the Bible to complete the picture, to fill it in and for God to instruct us as we compare scripture with scripture. Now we do know that Christ comes in judgment not alone. He, he, he is the judge of the earth, but again and again we read in the Bible that he comes with ten thousands of his saints. That he, um, Christ comes and all the holy angels, and, and the word holy is related to saints, all the holy messengers as angels ought to be translated as messengers with him and yet here in revelation 14 it's just christ yes the one who was seated upon the cloud the one who is treading the wine press but in revelation 19 if we go back there it says in verse 14 and the armies which were in heaven followed him Upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And that would be all of God's elect, the saints. And then verse 15, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. So here too, Jesus alone is treading the winepress. But where are the saints? They're on horseback. The armies in heaven who followed him are on white horses, witnesses, uh, willing participants in the sense they agree with God. They agree with the, the righteous judgment of God. They agree that God's law is perfect and must be satisfied. And there they are as Christ gets into the wine vat and begins to tread underfoot the unsaved people of the earth 
And the picture that we're left with in Revelation 19 is there are the armies of God, perhaps as many as 200 million, on these glorious white horses to indicate they are spotless and without sin. And and the armies themselves are clothed in fine linen, white and clean. They're all covered by the righteousness of Christ, all without sin themselves. And they are waiting for Christ to finish his work as judge of the earth, to complete the harvest as he treads the wicked in the wine vat. And so we can see the relationship between Revelation 19 and Revelation 14 in verse 20, as the blood begins to pour out and goes unto the horse bridles, unto where God's elect are positioned. And and that's, uh, I think, one way of understanding it. We do know that God has um, told us several times that his people come with him in judgment and they are likened to horses and to horsemen. In a few places, in Joel chapter 2, Joel 2, verse 2, A day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness, as the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and a strong. And, and then it goes on to say in verse 4, and, and this would again picture the elect of God. The appearance of them is as the appearance of horses. And as horsemen, so shall they run. Like the noise of chariots on the tops of mountains shall they leap. Like the noise of a flame of fire that devoureth the stubble. As a strong people set in battle array. The Bible reveals to us that the wicked are like stubble. And who is it that burns them up? Well, Obadiah says in verse 18, In the house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau for stubble. Jacob and, and Joseph would picture the true believers, God's saints, and Esau, all those that are unsaved, that have not been chosen, just as Jacob was chosen and and Esau was not. And the great army in view in Joel 2 is burning up the wicked. They're, the army is like a flame of fire, and therefore like Jacob and Joseph, that devoureth the stubble. And in Revelation chapter 9, we know this is describing Judgment Day as the three woes uh, get underway. And uh, the Lord speaks of locusts that come forth uh, in the day of judgment. And the locusts are God's great army, typifying true believers. And it says in verse 7, And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle. And on their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. So the locusts, are likened to horses. And a little further on, in uh, Revelation 9, the elect are typified by 200 million. And it says in verse 16, And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000,000. And I heard the number of them. 
And thus I saw the horses in the vision, and them that sat on them, having breastplates of fire, and of jacinth and brimstone, and the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three was the third part of men killed, by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone, which issued out of their mouths. So the horses and horsemen are both typifying God's elect. Yes, that's how God um, speaks of his people. He, he speaks of them as horsemen, but he can also speak of them as the horse itself, and he does that in Zechariah 10. It says in um, verse 3, Mine anger was kindled against the shepherds, and I punished the goats. For Jehovah of hosts has visited his flock, the house of Judah, and has made them as his goodly horse in the battle. And and so God is using that kind of figure in Revelation 9, where the horsemen, the 200 million, typify the saints, and likewise the horses that are breathing forth fire, smoke, and brimstone also typify the saints. And I think that could be why it is that... Um, it's horse singular in Revelation 14. The blood came out of the winepress even unto the horse bridles. It's spoken of as a single horse, yet the bridles are plural. And, and that's because the horse is pointing to the body of Christ. And uh, God gives that sort of illustration in the epistle of James. In James chapter 3, beginning in the first verse, My brethren, be not many masters or teachers, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. And I think that's uh, speaking of the Lord Jesus, who is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. And Christ has formed his body. He is the head, the Bible tells us, and he has um, brought together members, and everyone he saved is has become a part of the body of Christ. Now here, God is speaking of bridling, and that's a, a related word. Uh, bridle is 5468. Uh, our word in uh, Revelation 14.20 is 5469 in Strong's Concordance, which is used in verse 3 of James. Behold, we put bits, and that's the plural, bridles, that's, that's in our verse. We put bridles in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turned about their whole body. Now, God goes on to speak of ships and the little helm that uh, steers them, and he relates it to the tongue being a little member. Well, remember, a, a perfect man is able also to bridle the whole body. and And so the idea is that Christ puts bits 
in the mouths of his people, keeping them under full control within his will to uh, do the things that God would have them to do. He moves in us to will and do of his good pleasure. And, it, it, well, it, it's um, not perfectly understandable. I, I recognize that. But it's the idea that this word, um, bridles, which isn't used that often in the Bible, is here in James 3 used in association uh, with the idea of controlling the whole, whether it be, uh, um, it's also used in connection with the ship and the helm, the horse and the bridle. And we do know ships typify the churches. And, and it is the teaching in the churches that gives direction to the course that the church body takes. Well, um, I think that's basically the idea. And, and so, when we're reading of the blood flowing out of the wine press unto the horse bridles, it, it, it's uh, God's horse. And in this description that he's giving in Revelation 14, it would point to all the elect. And, and since it is all the elect, there's more than one bridle. There, there's bridles in, in the mouths of all of God's people because all are doing the will of God. We desire to serve Him. He is Lord. We submit and and are broken and contrite before Him and before His will. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.